0: Welcome back to the Writer and the Wrench. We are your hosts, Brent. And Beverly. And we want to say thank you to everyone who listened and followed and shared with our pilot episode. We really appreciate it. And Brent just did the random number generator thing for the drawing. And the winner was for the gift cards.
1: Marshall M.
0: So we will be sending that out this week. So today we want to take time to rewind and revisit the how and why we began our financial journey. So we touched on Christmas last week and we said this was going to be kind of the beginning of a series because the topic of finances itself is so huge. It's hard to kind of like figure out
1: what to go or where, what direction to go in. Because direction. there's so many yes. things to talk about.
0: So I felt like... Last week was good because we gave you a general idea of a piece of the pie of what goes into making a zero-based budget. And sadly, we are not actually going to get to that today. It's coming, I promise. But I felt like it was really important for us to kind of go back and revisit for us kind of the how and the why we even made this decision. I mean, how many years ago was that now? thirteen ish around yeah it's there. around
1: thirteen.
0: Yes. And honestly we're so glad that we're not the same people now that we were then when it comes to finances. And at the time we thought we were doing the best we could with our finances because honestly we We, we were didn't... doing okay.
1: I mean what we thought was okay. Yeah,
0: we thought that we were doing what needed mm. to be done with finances. And looking back we we just didn't know any better. But before we, I know we keep like teasing this, but before we jump in, I wanted to take a second to, since we're glad we weren't the same people back then, or we're not the same people as we were back then, take a minute to kind of visit trends or things that we used to think were cool, but now they're not cool at all. Or they're kind of like a, what was I thinking?
1: I don't need, well, what if it, what if it was you didn't know any better? (laughs)
0: So like, I mean okay. however you want to interpret that.
1: Alright, so my first thoughts are to go back to um when I was a kid. I have a lot of pictures with a bowl cut. He and was that, a kid in
0: the eighties, by the way.
1: Well, seventies.
0: And I'm seven, so sorry.
1: So yes. I was bowl trying to cuts, help you out there. Butterfly collars, like, you know
0: What's a butterfly collar? <laughs>
1: it's a big collar that comes out i'll show you the pictures later i uh, have never and not, we will not be posting them on the website either i have
0: honestly never heard of a what? butterfly collar
1: i don't well, i don't even know
0: did you have you a bowl were, cut
1: yes i have a bowl i have a picture with a bowl cut butterfly collar with a cookie monster sweater <laughs> <laughs> it's not very
0: i just i don't know I just saw a meme this past week about the real monster of Stranger Things is Will Byers' barber. <laughs> <laughs> and it showed a picture of his bowl cut from every single season. So yeah, I guess that is a thing that do I, people don't get bowl cuts anymore. You know what's no. coming back? That I see I don't, all the boys. No, no, no.
1: Don't even say it because... It is? It is. You've seen it? it. And so, you're talking about the mullet.
0: Oh, that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. That's the popular thing because yeah. I teach high schoolers. Whoever
1: whoever went into the hair archives to get that out, <laughs> we need to have a talk with them because it wasn't very – looking back, I can't believe that we did that. And now knowing that people are actually doing it on purpose and all of the parents who have had mullets and should know better, I bet you it was from the COVID –
0: but I feel like, like what the guys are wearing is not just a straight mullet where It's short on top with the... It's almost like it's, it's shaved on the sides. It's like an exaggerated mohawk without it being in a mohawk. They just keep it shaggy. But it's still kind yeah. of that 80s... What do you think caused that? I think... Is that pop... Like, I don't feel like I'm up with pop culture. Was that like with Cobra Kai coming back? Did I they have... Know. I didn't watch that. You watched that.
1: I did. I don't remember... Looking at mullets, though.
0: They didn't have haircuts like that in Karate Kid? I feel like they did not Well, in back Kid. in
1: Karate Kid, but this is fast forward now. They're older now. So they, they know better.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. Um, for me, what's super cringy is looking back. So, I was a teenager. I was in high school in the 90s. And some of the 90s fashion trends, I still think... Are kind of cute. I'm glad that they're coming back, things that I enjoyed. But I had a couple years there where I was into the grunge scene. And when I say grunge, it was all about baggy clothes. And I have always been just genetically super thin. And I have a brother who is six foot two. And when he was in high school, probably a hundred and If you're listening, I'm sorry. I don't know exactly how much you weighed. I'm guessing, like, maybe 180 pounds. And I would go into his closet to borrow his shirts. Like, that's how baggy of clothes I would wear. I would even borrow his pants sometimes and just put a belt around it. So I, I know. I look at pictures and I'm like, what was I thinking? But I don't – at the time, I was so into – I don't even – what is the term? Like, not countercultural, but just – subcultural like i liked the dark nail polish when that wasn't really a thing for girls to wear i wanted all the piercings uh like gothic <laughs> yeah gothic emo grunge i don't know i went through that phase and i i liked myself a lot during that time period <laughs> but when,
1: but not the pictures no huh? no
0: not the pictures when you look back it's
1: i don't i don't remember seeing these pictures either
0: there's a reason for that. They're very embarrassing.
1: This is like the second episode that we're talking about. Like you got hidden talents and pictures that from your childhood that baggy clothes. I, like listen, I see I'll
0: try to drag some of them out. But the styles that some, somewhat that I followed that I enjoy were the plaid skirts and velvet and velour and the chokers and stuff like that. That's kind of come back into fashion. And I like that what I don't ever want to go back to was that 90s grunge baggy stuff (laughs) yes okay uh so I asked this question on social media too and it was kind of funny to see the two different responses so on Instagram I got more fashion type things I had responses like Justin Bieber's haircut which you probably don't know what that is No, No. yeah, no. He doesn't know what that is. Everybody else probably knows what I'm talking about with the Justin Bieber haircut from when he was younger. There was something to do with um, layering tanks underneath American Eagle clothes. But the funny thing was, when I asked this question on Facebook, every single response I got was about people that they thought were cool, like David Hasselhoff and Knight Rider. Um, The Olsen twins... Mm. Hansen. I'm trying to think. There was another one, but it was a list of people versus style. So I found yeah. that interesting. And I, because I feel like well, Instagram and Facebook are kind of two different beasts. Sometimes I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: All right. Well, let's shift gears then and go back to 2005ish. Actually, what? before that what was your, to kind of set the stage, what was your belief system about money growing up? And they call it financial literacy because you have to be educated about money to handle it correctly. And I'm sorry, well, can, well, I, can I get on a soapbox for a second?
1: Sure. I'm just going to sure. do
0: it. Um, I want to address something that I see on social media that's so frustrating that I feel like is like a common attitude among the current younger generation right now. And it's this idea, or like I see a meme that floats around that says, I can solve for pi or the Pythagorean theorem, or I'm probably even saying these things incorrectly because I don't mm-hmm. remember much about it, or I can diagram a sentence, but thanks school, you didn't teach me how to balance a checkbook or fill out a W-2 form or file my taxes. Like putting the responsibility back on the school system. And I, of all people, believe in financial literacy and would love for financial literacy to be a required course that every student has to take before they graduate high school. But also when it comes down to it, the responsibility is really the parents. parents. If, yep. if you don't know how to balance a checkbook or file your taxes, your parents have failed you. But at the same time, when we talk about financial literacy, I can't blame parents too much because you can't educate your children if you yourself don't understand how to properly relate to money. And I feel like that's a case for... That used to be us too. So I'm like... I obviously point the finger back at ourselves, too.
1: Well, but I think going back into our parents' generation and generation before that, money just wasn't really talked about, and, and maybe I'm incorrect on that, but um it's just it was like you you got little nuggets here and there, okay, don't do this or try to have to do this, but it wasn't. And you know, my parents when we opened up a checking account always said you got to balance it and I think I remember having something in school showing us how to fill out a check and whatnot so I think the the basic skills are kind of passed down but it's it's the long-term stuff that I feel like might be missing in a lot of households yeah like how to save for retirement or you know how to have a savings account but what's what's a savings account like is it just a little bit of money just to say that, that I have that a number? savings amount like there is no number like really the number should be as you get older you know
0: a set amount yeah
1: and and, and goals but you know when you kind of have this lackadaisical way of saving and it's like well you know I, I want to get this I want to get that but I'll save a little bit here and there but a little bit it's really just a little bit
0: yeah so, okay. Oh, so- I'm, I'm sorry. I'm off my soapbox now. <clears throat> I just, I see that and I'm like, the school didn't fail you. Your parents, <laughs> your parents failed you, but also your parents need help too. So, <laughs> um, okay. So let's go back. When we got married, what did you, what were you, what was your belief system about money or how did you relate to money or what was kind of your.
1: Uh, well, I remember, I mean, at least I the concept of a household was okay well the man or or the head of the household which is typically the the man with the the financial uh i guess not anymore these days but would handle the finances and and that's just the the wife or whoever the other person the spouse is if it's the woman doing it um they just kind of didn't know everything that was going on and I think that's how it was when we got married, right? Like, I pretty much had this virtual budget, but it really wasn't a budget in my head. And I would just kind of float things back and forth here and there, making sure all the bills were paid. But there wasn't really a, like, a written plan.
0: Yeah.
1: I think... Does that that sound right?
0: Yeah, (laughs) no. I, I think for me, when we got together... My my parents did a pretty good job of giving me a good foundation to start with. Just the concept that in life there are no handouts. If you want to earn money, you work for it. They And I'm so grateful that they instilled in me the idea and practice of tithing from a very young age. Mm. Because that just, that became natural for me and was never a question. Um they taught me I remember the first time my dad helped me sign up for a credit card I think I was 18 I was gonna be going off to college but he said you never charge anything on a credit card that you can't pay off at the end of the month which is the concept of living within your means um and to always have a savings account and so that's kind of what I didn't know necessarily all the the day-to-day and what the long-term goals were but I at least had enough of a foundation that I felt like it kept me out of much trouble so when we got together and you talked about last week just a couple months before we got together you had paid off was it was mm-hmm. yep,
1: eighteen thousand dollars
0: in credit card debt and so we started at least in a semi i feel like decent place compared to where other people um coming into i didn't have student loan debt you didn't have correct you didn't have student loan mm-hmm. debt so we didn't have to dig our way out of that um But, yeah, you handled all the finances, and I was totally okay with that. But there was nothing on paper. It was just floating around in your head.
1: Stressful. It was stressful.
0: For him, Yeah, but you never – you, as the man, never shared that with me. That it it was stressful. That it was stressful. And so um, we – I feel like kind of our mindset was we were comfortable having car payments – We didn't mind taking out line, like a line of credit from a store to pay if we wanted new furniture for a room in our house, we would do that. If we needed to put a new carpet in the house, we didn't mind taking a line of credit out at Home Depot.
1: To get the, you know, 10% off or 20, whatever they, 15% off. But then they recoup it with
0: interest. (laughs) I feel like as long as we felt like we could afford the monthly payment, we were good. We could do it. And I feel like that's how the majority of Americans live. Can I afford the monthly payment? And if the answer is yes, then... They can afford it. I'm going to sign my name on the dotted line. Uh, And so that's common belief. But for us, where everything changed was when we signed up to take a crash course of Crown Financial through our church. And I don't even remember if it was just something that was advertised because, looking back, it feels like it was such a random thing that we did. Because it was a Saturday, we had to give up. A Saturday, it was what maybe six hours.
1: Yeah, I, I want to say it was from our our young married couples group that we were in, and they had one of they had the uh, was I don't know oh if it
0: was, somebody came in. He to came talk in about and talked
1: about it. And we had questions and answers and all that kind of stuff.
0: But they were promoting. I think so, but. And normally Crown is a multi, like it's a program that you go through, but the church was offering what they called a crash course that was just like a single day thing. And we agreed that we were going to go to that and see what that was all about. And the whole purpose of that day, and I'm sure Crown covers so many other things if you take the entire course, But the focus of that day was all about getting out of debt and having that gazelle intensity when that, what is it, a cheetah (laughs) that they show you the video of a cheetah chasing after gazelle and how it will just light itself on fire, running away as fast as it can. And, and that day, I remember going home that day, we caught the vision. It lit a fire in us. We did absolutely everything we could to pay off, we had a car loan on both we, of our car, yep. two cars, two cars. We paid off the car loans. We paid off all of our lines of credit that we had that we carried. Home a,
1: Depot or.
0: Yes. Rooms to rooms go. Rooms to go was a, yeah. Like a monthly payment that we had. Um, we paid our credit card down to zero and said we were never, we, I feel like we always, even though we were careful about the credit card, there was still like a residual balance that we would carry sometimes from month to month and we got that down to zero and said never again. And I feel like taking that class was the catalyst that changed the trajectory of our lives. And I don't say that lightly. If we hadn't decided to change, decided to change our behavior in that moment on that day and stick to our plan, our lives would not look nearly, like not even close to the same as as it does today. Mm-hmm. Um because I feel like here's what happens. Your biggest wealth-building tool is your income, right? But if as soon as you get paid, you have to turn around and send your money back out the door, that, that limits your options. Like, severely, it can. And we had to learn that just because you can afford the monthly payment for something, that doesn't mean you can actually afford it. Um, we adopted the radical idea that quote-unquote, affording something means that you can pay for it in its entirety right then and there, with the exception, obviously, of the home mortgage. Mortgage, And that's like a whole other day and story that we'll talk about (laughs) our journey with that because that's like a whole thing. Um, But getting rid of debt for us gave us options that we Mm. otherwise never would have had. And I feel like the biggest one was... When I decided to stay home with Elizabeth, our first daughter, when I had her.
1: Well, did, did we go to FPU or financial no. peace before? we, had, we okay. hadn't
0: even... It was during her first year of birth, I remember that. But we had gotten out of debt, and then I got pregnant with Elizabeth, and I remember telling you... Because initially, I think the idea and plan was I was just going to take maternity leave and go back to work, and... I had decided that I thought I wanted to stay home. And you were like, well, if it works out in the budget, which still at this time was not, it wasn't a zero-based budget, but it was still this idea of this is how much money we have coming in and these are the bills going out and what we have to pay for. So we had a general idea. And you said, as long as it works in the budget. And I remember...
1: Do we have a a written budget at this point? I don't think it was written, but that's
0: what I'm saying. It was this general yeah. idea of this is how much money we have coming in from your paycheck, and these are the bills that we have, and what mm-hmm. we need to pay for on a monthly basis. So we had a general <laughs> we had a general idea at that time.
1: Major scary.
0: Still, yeah, still kind of major scary, for, but also
1: well, no, it, we had
0: accomplished a lot because we had paid off debt. But that's the but, point because if we Still had car payments, which we thought we could afford. If we still had our lines of credit.
1: If we wouldn't we, have been able to do
0: it. We wouldn't have been able to do it because we would still need to be writing those checks every month that I was staying home. And we wouldn't have been able to afford it. But the fact that we eliminated that debt, I, I could stay yeah. home because we didn't have that money that came in we got to do with it what we needed to do with it and what we wanted to do with it instead of having to send it out to somebody else. And a fun exercise to do and I would encourage you to do this if you need to be you know, you need to be convinced of the freedom and power you obtain from getting out of debt is add up all your monthly payments that are debt payments. So this is not payment.
1: not your house.
0: This isn't yeah, this isn't like electricity or water that are just normal you have to pay for the goods that you're receiving. This is stuff that you've put on the credit card, your car payments, your lines of credit, everything. Add it up and see how much you're actually sending back out the door every single month when you get paid and then tell yourself that that could be going in your pocket instead and you could be paying yourself instead of paying somebody else. And I felt like the question we get sometimes is, well, then like how do you ever, like how do you pay for <laughs> a car or how do you make those big purchases if you say you only pay cash?
1: what's well,
0: you save? It, <laughs>
1: you save so you again, this is probably going to go into our one of our other podcasts but um, our episodes but you in essence you're saving uh, and making the payments to yourself. So you're making a car payment it's just not to a bank where you're whether it's a little bit of interest or not, you're still have that. Um,
0: You have to write that check every month if you took out a loan. If you're making car payments to yourself. So, for instance, if we paid off a car and we didn't have a car payment anymore, whatever money we would have been spending on that car payment, we still have that set aside, but we pay it to ourselves. And here's where the freedom comes in. If you have a month that comes up and you need to divert those funds – if you had a car payment still, you still have to write that check. If you don't and you're paying yourself, you can use that money however you want. Now, obviously, okay. you don't want to miss too many months. But in our situation, when I stayed home with Elizabeth, we weren't able to save for a car. We couldn't make a car payment to ourselves because we were living incredibly tightly. But we, <laughs> we were making it happen. And we had the freedom to be able to do that because we weren't having. it. It honestly comes down to learning how to be content, to have delayed gratification, which is a thing that is so hard in the American culture, Uh, having self-control to wait for the things that you want and saving for them. But the cool thing is is when you don't have debt, you're in control. Someone else isn't controlling your money for you Mm -hmm. and making those decisions for you. So if Crown was the initial catalyst... FPU, I feel like, is what gave us the long-term game plan. And we almost made the mistake of not taking that class. And I look back and think about how detrimental that would have been to our financial health had we not gone through that class.
1: Well, that was, again, through our uh, church group that we were in. Right, and they were wanting to
0: It was twelve weeks. It was a
1: twelve week course and you had to pay, what was it, a 100 dollars $100 or hundred and ten dollars, whatever yep. it was per couple.
0: It was for the resources, so it wasn't like for you were the, just paying to take it. No, it, it was you, for the
1: the book, the book and, and the workbook and, and
0: online out. access. And I just remember at the time it was like, Well, we already went through Crown. Why would we sign up to take this? We're we're already out of debt, they're just gonna teach us the same thing and why would we spend a hundred dollars? I don't
1: even remember why we decided to take it I
0: think it's because we didn't want to because the only option was to say because our small group was doing it was just to not go to small group for 12 weeks we didn't (laughs) want to not see people for that long and so we did it and it was the best decision absolute best decision because what we discovered is that FPU isn't just about getting out of debt and coming up with a game plan for debt it it taught us the day-to-day stuff and the long-term tools that we needed to be successful with money.
1: Which Crown may do, we just, we didn't go through the whole course, we so we, whole we, course. Can't we can't speak to that. So.
0: Yeah, so FPU taught us how to do a zero-based budget, which I promise we're going to talk about that coming up soon. Uh, It taught us about retirement. That's something I feel like my family didn't really talk about a lot. I had heard of what a 401k was. I remember getting a job down here in Florida when I first moved away from my family, and it was a a nonprofit, so it was a, what is it called, a 403b, or it was something different. Um, But I didn't even sign up for it at the time because I'm in my 20s, and I'm thinking, well, retirement is, like, so...
1: Far away. So far (laughs) away.
0: Like I have plenty of time to think about that. Not even knowing that retirement is all about the long game and it's slow and steady wins the race with that. Um, We learned about insurance. Like what's the best type of insurance to have? What's essentially a scam? The proper way to buy a house. And this was key for when Mm -hmm. we bought the house that we're in now. And we'll talk about that journey on a different episode. It's a complete comprehensive program. And it gave us kind of the day-to-day game plan. And I'm not going to lie. It was not easy when we began. And we'll tell you some more personal stories when we talk about the zero-based budget. Because that will lend itself pretty easily. Mm. But when I stayed home with Elizabeth...
1: This was in... (laughs)
0: 2010.
1: Yep, 2010.
0: I remember having... $60 sixty dollars a week for groceries and just having like for I, all of us for all of us and I remember because we were committed to this plan. I remember walking around the grocery store with a calculator, calculating what I was putting in my cart. And there were times sometimes where I would put something in and I would get to the end of my shopping, I'm like something's gotta <laughs> something's gotta go back, you know?
1: Well and we did have have heavy couponing. Oh right? yeah,
0: and there's a website. I heart, I, I haven't looked at it in a long time. I
1: Heart Publix, I think it was.
0: Yeah, I Heart I heart She takes all of the Bogo's and sells at Publix, and she'll um, cross reference them, yeah, with coupons so you can get your absolute. I I mean, I was doing all the things, and I mean, thankfully, I was staying home, so I had the time and energy mm-hmm. to be able to do that. But we rarely ate out because if you you go out to eat, that's like a quarter of your grocery budget for the week. We didn't go on many vacations. Uh, and usually if we did, because there I mean, there are trips that we went on, but it was usually because of the generosity of our family. Like I remember trips that we went on that my parents were like, just just come. I remember my brother and his wife helping us out. They would maybe get a condo somewhere and would say, hey, just as long as you can pay to get here, don't worry about anything else. And so we were... Very fortunate. Yes, we were on the... And even your family going Mm -hmm. up to Jersey, just people extending generosity to us. And it was such a blessing. I remember shopping a lot at secondhand stores for clothing. um, Which you still do. Which I still do because... It honestly it teaches you something when you're when you're first beginning your journey and you have to be frugal and you have to learn all of the tricks and this and that. Those are actually life skills that stick with you. And not that I don't go buy something full price, but I'm I'm picky when I go shopping and what I want to buy. And I still want to get a good deal and I want to make good use of my money. Um, so. Anyway, it it wasn't – I'm going to be honest with you. When we first started, it wasn't fun. No. But at the same time, it, it was fun. It was a different kind of fun. It was because we knew, I think, that this was just a season. We had people tell us that starting out it was going to be hard and people cheering us on. And we had to be willing to fight the good fight to get to the other side. We knew what our end game was, and we knew it wasn't something that we could just reach – Overnight, like this was going to take work, it was going to take sacrifice. Uh, But we, I feel like we had our eyes on the goal, and we knew um, that for us to reach some of those goals, we had to stay committed to the long term if we wanted to make our lives better, um, and also for our kids, and hopefully for Jen, because it's not just about me and you. It's about mm-hmm. our kids and how we want to set them up for success and how we hope our grandkids are going to be affected by the decisions that we made and, for, you know, for generations to come. And so because of that, we were willing to deny ourselves and put in the work that it took to reach the goals that we knew were going to set us up for success, even though it was hard at the time. But it doesn't – It that doesn't was really all hard. It, it was. <laughs> but it doesn't – it doesn't always stay hard. That's no, the thing. I feel like people will start, like, commit to this journey, and they'll start, and then they get discouraged because it is a it is a lifestyle change you have and a shock at the beginning.
1: You have to make a change for this to work.
0: Yeah. And, for sure. And a lot of people, when they get started on it, they're like, I don't want to do this. And nah. then they, they quit and they give up, and they lose making one of the biggest most impactful, positive decisions for their family and for their lives that they could possibly make. I hear people say, and I used to have a little bit of mom guilt about this, but like people are like, oh, you only get your kids for a short amount of time, so I'm going to spend whatever I need to spend, you know, necessary to create memories. I want to go places with them. And we, looking back, I mean, we didn't do that when Elizabeth was little, except at the hand when other people were being generous and we could go and do because they helped us out um do i wish we could have done those things yes sure i mean what parent wouldn't but would we go back and change how we did anything
1: no absolutely no
0: (laughs) no absolutely not when i think of where we are now it it was totally worth the sacrifice, and you get creative. Just because you can't go on a lavish vacation doesn't mean you can't still make memories. You can't still have fun without blowing a ton of money. I well,
1: and they, and they and they and they're not going to remember. I mean, they will they're not going to be like, oh, I, 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 we didn't go to the Poconos, you know. Like.
0: <laughs> well, and I feel like now today, social media. And the whole comparison game kind of spurs on people spending too because we we feel like we're missing out when we look at all the cool things other people are doing. Um, but I feel like the sacrifices we made, even though Elizabeth maybe didn't go get to go travel here or do this particular thing or we didn't have season passes to Disney for six years straight, the sacrifices that we made are going to be more meaningful to them as they get older than when they were younger. Because I feel like the decisions we've made have started the process of changing our family tree. Like, I am hopeful that neither of our kids will experience what we experienced having to live tightly. And when we talk about those years where it felt like it was hard, hopefully they're never going to know what that feels like. Um, Because we're teaching them what we know Early, yeah, before they even get their first job, and so I feel like they're going to be light years ahead of where we were. They're not going to have to dig themselves out of a hole because they won't know the hole because they know that the hole is dangerous. And so, hopefully, you know, Lord willing, they're not falling in that hole and having to dig their way out. Um, and that sacrifice, even though we couldn't do things back then we're in a season of life that our hard work and our commitment is paying off and we're able to go on vacation we're able to travel and do the things that we want to do which to me I'm actually enjoying more now Seth's still young but Elizabeth's at the age where she can start to appreciate those types of things more and I would rather be doing it now than when she was little and maybe only has the pictures to remember it by um, I feel like there's an important note that I kind of want to end on as we kind of wrap up today, and I've just kind of been thinking about this a lot this week. How you handle money is not simply financial. It's relational, it's emotional, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's Not its own category. How we handle money affects almost every other aspect of our lives. And some, I mean, would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. And we don't, I feel like a lot of people, we don't, we don't think of it that way. But it, whether we like it or not, our relationship to money affects us in so many different ways.
1: Well, it affects your children, affects, you know, your relationship, affects us, our marriage. I mean, it's all throughout scripture, yeah. you know, about finances or, or possessions. And it's obviously important enough to be throughout scripture. So, um,
0: blessed is the man who leaves an inheritance for his children.
1: Borrower is slave to the lender.
0: Um, The idea of proper investments that yield multiply resources. And the idea of generosity and giving is huge in scripture. And I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the current state of the church, and when I say that I'm talking about the people, I feel like we can find ourselves in such a mess because the government's trying to meet needs that were never their responsibility in the first place but God's people can't afford to help and we can't afford to stand in the gap for someone or we can't afford to give generously because we've kind of married ourselves to this idea of the American dream where we're up to our eyeballs in consumer debt Um, and sometimes we're just spending money to spend money and no wonder so many people of faith are standing around saying, I really wish there was something that I could do to help, but they simply, they they can't. They want to help, but they can't because they aren't financially free. And this doesn't go for everybody. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances, and you know there are individual circumstances. Um, but I feel like the church could financially do a lot more If the people were better stewards of the money that they had, if they stayed out of debt, if they were financially free, it's a whole lot easier to give and to meet a need when your money's not having to go back out the door to pay for a bill of something that you... You basically agreed to pay somebody money that you haven't even made yet. That's what it is.
1: Well, and to piggyback on that, that's... I think one of the reasons why people don't tie this consistently is they may not feel like they have the money. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, it comes down to freedom. Like having a plan with your money, getting out of debt, it, it gives you the freedom to spend money guilt-free. I feel like we have unity in our marriage, and we'll talk uh, about that yeah. when we get to the zero-based budget because we are on the same page we it's
1: improved our marriage
0: it's improved our marriage and we've also had zero money fights about anything i mean we've had discussions about stuff sometimes but because we're on the same page and we're a unified force and we agree on our goals and and dreams and how to get there we there's nothing to fight about like we're on each other's sides um, I feel like we have the freedom to, you know, Lord willing, be able to pay for our kids college, um, the freedom to build the type of retirement that we want and do all the things that, you know, that, what is they They say it's the like golden your golden, years or something. Yeah, the golden years when you retire, like you're not going to be living golden anything on social security. And so you've got to come up with your own plan if you want to do anything, And so having that, and then ultimately, honestly, it's having the freedom to give generously. And when the opportunity presents itself...
1: Have the money to do something and respond.
0: Yeah, you can respond to it. Um, So if you're someone who wants to start this journey, Brent and I are cheering for you. You have no idea how badly we want this for anybody who is interested in, in taking that first step. And it's honestly, it's never too late. And there's never a whole... Too deep, and you might be starting in a different place than us. You might have less debt, so if you commit to this idea and plan, it might only take you a few months to really start making some traction. For other people, it might take a couple years. For us, it it took a while. Yeah, it took a while. But I promise you this: you'll never regret having made that decision, like changing your relationship with money for the better, changing the financial health of your family, changing how you and your spouse relate to each other, being a unified team. Honestly, there's nothing better. If I could transport you (laughs) 10 years from now, like if you made that decision today and I could transport you to your life 10 years from now and let you live that life for a week and then come back and make the, I can't imagine that anybody would say, no, that's not what I want for myself. But you have to have that long-term goal because it's not, it is not an overnight thing. It's you have to make a decision, come up with a plan, and stay the course, but then it's totally worth it.
1: the long game.
0: It's the long game. There's nothing better. Well, we really appreciate you hanging out with us today. If you have any feedback or questions, we sincerely love to help. So you can reach out to us on Twitter at The Writer, was it at The I Writer don't. Wrench? The Writer Wrench. That was the one that was kind of different. Um, on Instagram, it's The Writer and The Wrench. And then the website, The Writer dot com. Email The Writer and The Wrench at gmail dot com. All complaints go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Wasn't there
1: a contact form on the website too? Yes,
0: there's a contact form on the website. So if you're wanting to send something privately, you can obviously use that to send us some feedback. Um, we're just, we're so excited. And I promise, I know we keep dangling the 0 base budget, but I, it's probably coming next episode. So we really appreciate you hanging out with us and we will catch you next time.